0: This is E-Boogie, the artist formerly known as Eric. You're now listening to Brown Men Won't Jump.
1: Howdy how, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Brown Men Won't Jump. I'm Aswi, and joining me today are A.C.,
2: What's up, what's up, guys? Another New York Nick has made this list, except
1: it's Carmelo Anthony, no. And Eric. <laughs> yes, sir. See, AC, you see how nice and short and sweet that was? Why can't you do that <laughs> once?
2: <laughs> I just, I just got to make the world know that there is a Knicks fan who signs in every week and Let's everyone know his misery and shares it on a public stage. And so we got to take the, you know, the positives where they are. So that's why,
1: I, that's why I do what I do. Hey, man, whatever helps you sleep at night. <laughs> so for today's topic, I thought it would be great to discuss the 76ers. Are you confused? Is this a, is this a bad pun for the 76 greatest players list? Oh, I mean, think about it like this. In the NBA's 75th anniversary they named not 75, but 76 players to the all time greatest players list. So, do you really expect me to not make a 76ers related joke? I mean, to be frank, I expected you to come out there with that one,
2: two, three, four, five, sixers, <laughs> 10, nine, eight, 76ers.
1: To our fans, though AC is a Knicks fan, he is a closet Sixers fan. <laughs> no, I just I, I you know I live in this
2: area now, so I got the Sixers banners all around me. I'm constantly shocked at how much people here care about the Sixers. a, a franchise that much like the Knicks has been pretty depressing to follow over the course wait, of the last few decades. So Wait
0: guys, was was that like some like official chant of the Sixers?
2: Oh hell well, yeah. yeah that's, Every that's... time they win the game at the
1: end of the game, how speak you can speak about your, your team chant. Oh man, it's it's the best that it... It's this song from like the sixties or the seventies, and the tagline of the song is "one, two, three, four, five, sixers, ten, nine, eight, seventy-sixers," and it's just like the most hype song at the end of the game. The whole crowd's dancing. Sometimes you see the players jamming along with it. You know, it's just part of that, you know, Philly culture.
2: It's it's the goofiest song ever, and yet somehow it's totally appropriate when they win a game. I can't yeah. really explain. It's like in New York, you know, we'll play like some New York classic song, like, you know, some Frank Sinatra or some Billy Joel. And here they have this one, two, three, four, five Sixers song. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's campy. It's cheesy. But oh, man, I haven't found a Sixers fan who has any issue with it. It's just part of what we do. I'm but I'm legit we...
0: surprised the Sixers have anything as like delightfully corny as that, that chant well, we... you all just say it. <laughs>
1: Well, Eric, we also have the Rocky, you know, like the song Gonna Fly Now when Rocky's running through the streets of Philadelphia. That plays out of a timeout in a a close game toward the end. So that's another Philly tradition. But look, guys, we've totally digressed. I, I did not mean for us to go on a Sixers tangent. I just wanted to make a quick little 76ers joke. Let's talk about the real topic at hand, which is the 75 greatest players of all time, which is something I know you guys have been really hyped about, and all of us here at Brahman Won't Jump have been just chomping at the bit to be able to talk about it for you guys. So I think a really important distinguishment needs to be made, and that's distinguishing between the best players ever and the greatest players ever. So AC, Eric, why don't you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so I mean, first and foremost... I remember as a kid when they announced the 50 greatest players ever, and I I, I kept waiting like, first the 10 years after that, then the 15 years after that for some sort of an updated list to be made. I remember TNT even had a whole argument about it over who should be the, in the next 10 or the next 15. So the fact that this list finally came out, it, it's so exciting to me. But to answer your question, Asui, there's a distinction between best and greatest. If we're just talking about who the best players are from a basketball perspective, we have to skew super modern, right? Because the game has evolved and players now are simply more athletic, more skilled on average than the great players of old. It's just the way that any sports work or really any skill-based thing works, right? Like you take guitar, for instance, right? Jimi Hendrix is widely considered the greatest guitar player of all time. But there are thousands of guitarists today who have access to YouTube and all kinds of tutorials at a very young age. They can watch exactly what Jimmy did and so many other guitarists did, and they can build from that. There's probably thousands of guitarists today who could do things that even Jimmy couldn't do. But that doesn't mean that Jimmy isn't the greatest. And the same applies to basketball. You have to take the fact that these guys were great in their eras and look at how great they were versus their peers when you're talking about a list of the greatest players of all time.
0: And this will come up. I, I largely agree with AC's distinction between greatest and best. Of course, best, he's right. It was skewed, very modern. Uh, the contemporary guys have an advantage athletically as far as sports nutritioning, as far as like strategy on the court. They have an advantage over the old guys. So you you like to look at how guys matched up with other players in comparable eras. So I understand that. The only thing I will say, and this this will further come up between AC and I and our what I think is going to be somewhat of a disagreement. The example AC just used about music and comparing it to athletes. Well, music in itself is subjective. So what you might find to be sonically pleasing to your ears and what you might find to be better or good or greater as far as like, Those like emotional attachments you have to the music, there's no real objective measure to even gauge that. Whereas with athletes and sports in general, we're trying to gauge stuff up as objectively as possible. But I do think AC's definition is a great definition. So I think we're going to get into it and and we'll see where we differ.
1: You know, I agree with you, Eric, on the point of subjectivity when it comes to how you perceive something that's being played by somebody differently than how I would perceive it. But the point about Hendrix, and I will also add AC, Eddie Van Halen there, in that conversation as greatest guitarist ever, um, The the thing that makes them so great is not just what they did in comparison to their peers, but also how they changed the game, what techniques they developed, how they pioneered new styles that was different than anyone before them or even since or were so great that things that they did, people copy to this day. People model their games after them. And I say games as a a loose term, referring both to music, but also to basketball. So I think that part of what defines greatness is also innovation.
2: Yeah, 100%. I I completely agree with Eric's point about Ranking musicians in general is a bit of a fraught exercise. But I was specifically referring to the technical aspects that actually maybe can be measured. You know, how quickly can you play? How many different techniques can you do? Can you actually play certain things other people can't, right? When you're able at a young age to watch other people and learn from them in music, you are at an advantage because you, you can build upon what they did in a way that they couldn't do back then. That's even more true in sports because, as Eric mentioned, On top of being able to copy, like look at skill videos of someone like Steph Curry, you can take a master class and learn how Steph Curry shoots the basketball. I mean, that's an incredible thing for a young kid to have. But apart from that, there's also nutritional advantages. And as Eric alluded to, there's also math advantages. There's an understanding of of efficiency that they have today, about the right kinds of shots to take, the right way to treat your body. There's so many advantages that a modern player has that if we're just going to rank all players based on their pure basketball ability, we might as well just have a list of the sort of the last 25, 30 years and just completely exclude the first half of the NBA's history, which I think would be a disservice to a very rich and vibrant legacy that the NBA has built over these decades.
0: Agreed. Uh, I do think that it's important to acknowledge and incorporate those trailblazers who set a foundation for the game that we have today. I will say The problem I have with this list in particular that we're going to further get into is that quite a few of these members on this list were playing at a time in the league when it was de facto segregated and they weren't playing against the full breadth of competition that subsequent guys would play against. So I think that it's important to acknowledge those guys, but For me, when taking into account those who are the greatest, I think I put heavy consideration into who your competition was.
2: So why don't we, before we get into who maybe should not have made this list, why don't we talk about the fact that there are 26 new players who were named on this list that were not on the 1996 famous list of 50 greatest players. So, Aswi, can you take us through those players and maybe a little bit of what those players have accomplished? Starting with the current players and maybe going into some of the retired players who have made this list as well.
1: Well, starting the list off is my personal favorite player of all time, LeBron James. The king himself. Four time MVP, 17 time All Star, one time scoring champion, four time NBA champion, four time Finals MVP. Following him, the greatest shooter of all time, Stephen Curry, two-time league MVP, seven-time All-Star, two-time scoring champion, three-time NBA champion, and of course, like I said, the greatest shooter of all time. Then you got Kevin Durant, league MVP, 11-time All-Star, four-time scoring champion, two-time NBA champion, and two-time NBA Finals MVP. After that, you got the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two-time league MVP, one-time defensive player of the year, five-time all-star, and, of course, the reigning NBA champion and finals MVP. Then you got James Harden, league MVP, nine-time all-star, three-time scoring champion. Followed by that, you got Kawhi Leonard, five-time all-star, two-time defensive player of the year, two-time NBA champion, two-time finals MVP, nine-time all-NBA defense player. Chris Paul, the point god himself, 11-time All-Star, 4-time assists leader. Anthony Davis, 8-time All-Star, 3-time blocks leader, 1-time champion. Then you got Carmelo Anthony, I would argue a more controversial pick, 10-time All-Star and 1-time scoring champion. Then of course you got Swagbrook himself, Russell Westbrook, 1-time MVP, 9-time All-Star, 2-time scoring champion, NBA's all-time leader in triple-doubles, the only man to average a triple-double not once, not twice, but three times for an entire regular season. And rounding out the players who are still playing in the league today, we got Dame Dala himself, Damian Lillard, a six-time All-Star. I mean, before
2: you get to those retired players, we who made this list for the first time, it's worth taking a moment to acknowledge how awesome it is that, currently in the NBA are 11 players who voters deem, whether you agree with their votes or not, and maybe some of those people we can get into whether they truly deserve to be here, but there's still 11 players currently playing basketball that are acknowledged as amongst the 75 greatest players in NBA history. I mean, that's just really fucking cool to me.
1: No doubt. We really are lucky because Even a lot of these retired players that I'm going to mention played in our lifetimes, guys. And yes, you guys are old, but not that old.
0: Huh. Shade. (laughs) Shade. (laughs) Can't stand you.
1: (laughs) Hey, man. As long as you guys are around, I'll always feel young. Because as old as I might feel, you guys are six years older than me. So I appreciate you. I mean... There's no response besides to say <laughs> you're right, Oswee. <laughs> so let's talk about the retired players. Starting off, we got Mr. Fundamental himself, Tim Duncan, two time MVP, 15 time All Star, five time NBA champion, a Hall of Famer, three time Finals MVP, and the greatest power forward of all time. Followed by that, we got Kobe Bean Bryant. One-time league MVP, eighteen-time All-Star, two-time scoring champion, five-time NBA champion, two-time Finals MVP, Hall of Famer, and the man who the All-Star Game MVP award is named after. After that, you got the serial aficionado Kevin Garnett, one-time <laughs> MVP. <laughs> I I Honey like Nut that. Cheerios, huh? <laughs> yeah. One-time Be of Ge- Honey
0: Nut Cheerio fame.
1: One-time League MVP, a Defensive Player of the Year, 15-time All-Star, an NBA Champion, and a Hall of Famer. And next, you got the man who made me fall in love with the Sixers because I had a man crush on him, Allen Iverson, The Answer, one-time League MVP, 11-time All-Star, four-time NBA Scoring Champion, Hall of Famer, fan of the word practice,
2: the most badass player of my lifetime. The coolest crossover, just the coolest dude that I remember watching in this league.
1: You know, James Harden might have to step back, but Allen Iverson has to step over.
2: That's true. Poor T. Lou. Rest in peace.
1: Moving on, we got the Cartonets coach, Steve Nash, two-time league MVP, eight-time All-Star, five-time assist leader, a Hall of Famer, and a man referenced by Nelly Furtado, Steve Nash. (laughs) <laughs>
2: That's an excellent <laughs> reference, also.
0: <laughs> it 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 took me a while to figure out what you were talking about, yeah. and I'm actually surprised you, being your age, you actually remember that, bro. AC, bro. do you remember when we were freshmen in college? How
2: much that song was played? I feel like it was even earlier than that. I don't know. No, it's probably about that time. Right.
0: It,
1: it came out the summer we were
0: matriculating into college.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah,
1: 2007. I was. I just finished, I think, seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade. And that song was popular. I love that song. For those younger fans who may not know the reference, it's Promiscuous Girl by Nellie Furtado featuring Timberland. And she says something along like, uh, you got to be an MVP like Steve Nash.
0: Yeah, your game MVP like Steve Nash is the exact line. But there you yeah, go. You, you got, you got go. the gist oh. of it.
1: Following Steve Nash, we got his former teammate, Dirk Nowitzki. One-time league MVP, 14-time All-Star, one-time NBA champion, and a finals MVP over Eric's then-team, the Heat. After that-
0: He <laughs> said, then you make me look like I'm just hopping rail from team to team.
1: <laughs> Bro, you, you...
2: I see nothing but facts there, Eric. Yeah, you admitted <laughs>
0: it yourself. Yo, the the shade, though, it was just smooth, like shaded. He kept going like he didn't even say anything bad.
1: (laughs) Well, this is one of your former team's greatest players, Dwayne Wade, the next man on our list, 13-time All-Star, one-time scoring champion, three-time NBA champion, a finals MVP, current part owner of the Utah Jazz, the man himself. Dwayne Wade. Then, of course, we got Mr. Uh, Strippers and Cigars, Paul Pierce, 10-time All-Star, a Finals MVP, an NBA champion, Hall of Famer, and Celtics great. After that, we got AC's all-time favorite player in Jason Kidd, 10-time All-Star, five-time assist leader, an NBA champion, a Hall of Famer and the best part of those shitty early 2000s Nets teams that somehow made it to the finals. Can, can I just say real
2: quick that I I was actually somewhat worried about whether Jason Key would make this list because he's one of those guys who kind of played just so long that his scoring average has plummeted to like 12-point something. And I personally think he's a lot better than people realize that he was in his prime, especially defensively. But as we can see from this list, it doesn't particularly reward defensive play although there are obviously some amazing defensive players on it so i was a little bit afraid that he would be kind of forgotten
1: so i was very happy to see him make the make the cut i mean ac if you actually see the interview where he's told that he made the list he himself was surprised because he thought that maybe people might forget just how great he was yeah i mean
2: to me he was i mean i, I wasn't around when maddie johnson was at his peak so since magic to me, no one threw passes quite like Jason Kidd. Even the other really great passes, like someone like Nash or Chris Paul, they didn't have the ability to just throw these ridiculous passes. I mean, I literally, when I grew up, I want to play like Jason Kidd, and I have many of the same flaws, <laughs> like my very <laughs> shaky jump shot. Um, but I, you know, I really like loved the way that he saw the game and like the pass-first mentality, and you know, caring about defense. It was something that like I really looked up to. So I, you know, I love J Kidd, and I'm happy he made it.
1: Moving on, we got Ray Allen, 10-time All-Star, two-time NBA champion, Hall of Famer, and owner of one of the greatest highlights in NBA Finals history. Eric, I know you remember that one.
0: Shout out to Ray Allen, king of getting catfished by random people and giving them thousands of dollars <laughs> in line, and one of the most clutch three-point shooters ever.
1: Love the guy. So basically, Paul George before Paul George? But more clutch. <laughs> Moving on, we got Gary Payton, the glove, nine-time All-Star, a Defensive Player of the Year, an NBA Champion, and a Hall of Famer.
2: This is another point guard based out of Oakland, just like Jay Kidd, who I was a little bit afraid would be overlooked on this list because he was kind of active around the time that this list was initially released in 96. So it'd be easy to forget him. Just one of the great defensive guards. And that's what I truly loved about him in the 90s. I would actually say he's probably my favorite player outside of the Knicks in the 90s so it's another guy that I'm very happy to see make this list as you can tell I do have a thing for defense first point guard so it's awesome to see Peyton and Jake can make it
0: I would have never thought that we overlap and how we feel about uh, the glove he was my second favorite player in the 90s after Michael Jordan and then of course Scottie Pippen was my third but I was really afraid that the glove was going to get left off because like you said, it didn't seem they put such a premium on, on defense. And I would argue pound for pound, he might have been the greatest defensive guard the league has ever seen. I mean, outside of maybe, maybe Sidney Creep, maybe Michael Jordan and maybe Clive Frazier, but he's definitely in the short list of guys. I think now when we retrospectively uh, speak about the glove, I never really hear him. Put in that like upper echelon list of greatest point guards but he he definitely belongs so it really made me happy to see him on the list
1: well moving on from one of ac's favorite players in the 90s let's go to one of ac's least favorite if not the least favorite player for ac in the 90s which was reggie miller five-time all-star hall of famer Bane of 90s Knicks and owner of one of the most famous things, which is the choke sign at Spike Lee. Yeah, I mean, this guy, (laughs) this
2: guy uh, caused me some tears as a kid. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Just improbable losses at the hands of a dude we had no business losing to. Like this Pacers team, frankly, wasn't all that talented. And we just lose to this guy in the most horrible ways over and over again. To me, he deserves to be on this list. And I'm uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he got the recognition for his playoff performances, even though I don't think he was the sort of regular season player that some of his peers on this list were, or even some of the guys who aren't on this list were. But just as a playoff player, I mean, there's very few guys with more memorable moments than he had. And he had not just one or two, but like five or six incredibly indelible memories. Like you can't tell the story of the NBA without those moments. So to me, he deserves to be on this list.
0: Reggie Miller is, to me, the reason that the NBA chose such an amorphous concept as greatest instead of something like best players. Because no, this, is a, this
2: is a great point, Eric. This is a great point.
0: Because if you're talking about greatest and you give something as subjective as like, oh, well, the playoff memories meant something to me. Well, yeah, you're right. Reggie Miller has some of the greatest playoff memories. What isn't remembered is that most of those series, Reggie Miller lost the series. I mean, we know the 25 point fourth quarter he had against that Knicks team in 94. He lost that series. People talk about the fact that he went up against the Bulls in the playoffs. He only went up against the Bulls one time. He got him to a game seven, but he lost. Most of the time, Reggie Miller was losing playoff series to, to the Magic, the Knicks, and the Hawks. So if you actually look at his resume of accomplishments, his accomplishments pale in comparison to his peers in a time that I would argue, outside of Michael Jordan and at a point, Clyde Drexler before he transitioned to the three, the, the shooting guard position, the guard position wasn't super, super deep in his era but Reggie Miller didn't even make a lot of All NBA teams. For comparison's sake, a guy like Mitch Richmond, who I don't think any of us would even remotely consider a top 75 guy, Mitch Richmond has more All NBA team selections than Reggie Miller. So in real time, voters actually thought Mitch Richmond was better than Reggie Miller quite a few seasons. And this is a Reggie Miller who the argument for his greatness always consists of, as an argument, Reggie's team and his team's offensive dynamics was predicated on Reggie's spacing and Reggie running guys off screens and getting open threes. Well, even though Reggie's offense was completely built around him, he wasn't even particularly a guy who was a stat accumulator as far as a a points-per-game guy. So this is one of those things where it's just like, Okay, I get it. Your feeling is that Reggie's memories as far as what it the impact it has as far as the story of the NBA is more important than Reggie's actual resume. So, I'll take it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, that you basically hit the the nail on the head in terms of what Reggie was as a basketball player relative right to his peers. But I think there is one thing that you are sort of overlooking a little bit, which is that he was for a long time the greatest three-point shooter in nba history that was then broken by obviously ray allen and is now about to be broken by steph curry and he did it at a time where people didn't play like him so he wasn't one of one in the nba for the better part of most of his career and i think that itself is also worth noting he's also i think this is inarguable the greatest clutch three-point shooter ever because it's not just he, had, he didn't just have one shot like ray did right or one or even one or two shots he had so many memorable moments and just killer fourth quarters killer buzzer beaters he also was the best player at least one of the better players on a team that went to a final so he's had some playoff success i think when you take all that into consideration with his just ability to generate memories i don't have any problem with him being on this list but
1: i totally get your arguments to the contrary to that end Reggie Miller's reaction to being named is one of the most genuinely beautiful things. He was just genuinely shocked that he made the list. And it was really cool to see the inside the NBA guys congratulating him. And he was completely dumbfounded. You know, I
2: remember when TNT picked their next 15 players a couple years ago, a lot of guys put Reggie Miller on that. And Reggie said, No, I don't belong there. And he put some other people above him. So you know, it is cool that you know i guess 10 years later he is considered one of those players but you know we're talking about guys who made this list there are two guys who also made this list who didn't make it before Asui and in bob mcadoo and dominique wilkins two guys who when the 96 lists were made were totally overlooked in my opinion bob mcadoo was one of the great scoring forwards of all time he was a three-time scoring champ right when people talk about kevin durant He has a lot of Bob McAdoo's ability to score from various positions and and uses height to his advantage. And the other guy is, in my opinion, the greatest dunker of all time, both in-game and in dunk competitions, if you want to factor longevity and power, but also was an amazing scorer. The best player in Hawks history, Dominique Wilkins. I'm so happy to see that Dominique made this list. It was a joke that he didn't make it the first time.
0: I'm happy about both of them making that list. I think both deserved it when they had the top 50 25 years ago but AC never disrespect Vince Carter again by saying Dominique is the best in game dunker Ooh.
2: a guy who was seven <laughs> no, feet old Yeah, no, you are right you're, I, I take back I take that back okay. uh, the best power the best power dunker of all time I'll, I'll say that like the guy who can like you do a windmill but throws it down so hard he's at least amongst the discussion he's
0: one of the top 5 in game dunkers but to me, yeah, no, you're right. Who no, you're that right. Is,
2: yeah, it's Vince. Not only did Vince Carr, by the way, not make this list, I don't think any of us had him on our list. So, no,
0: AC, yeah. but you know what? That's a great point. But going on what the person meant to the game as being some type of like trendsetter and being in the memories of like fans and, and being somehow integral to the story and the trajectory of the game if you're using those amorphous subjective concepts i think vince carter has an incredibly great argument to be on this list
2: yeah i don't think you're wrong about that i mean let's let's get to that part of the discussion then right so we know that there was actually a fresh vote this year they did not just say hey name 25 additional players we know that all of us were asked to list everyone and there were plenty of voters who actually did a fresh list and left off some old legends, including legendary writers like, say, Bob Ryan or someone like Bill Simmons. And then you have guys like Jay Adonde who got a vote, who decided we're just going to use the whole first 50 and then we're just going to name 25 players. So just let's talk about that first. What did you guys think about people sort of redoing their whole list versus keeping the same list and adding players? I mean, I,
0: <laughs> I'll speak for myself. I would have redone the whole list, and I would have added, I would have subtracted. I mean, they added a few guys anyway who were eligible, even when they did the top 50. I would have definitely subtracted some of the former names. They didn't take any name that had already made the top 50, so I would have taken some names off. But yeah, I I don't have a problem with people taking the list and making a completely new list than the one from the top 50 25 years ago.
1: I'm with you there, Eric. I I just feel like if we are really going to call this a list of the greatest, if someone doesn't meet that mark, then perhaps they should be replaced for someone who does. Can I make a counter argument, guys? I feel like from the beginning, when I heard
2: about this list and how I envisioned this list, it was always adding to the previous list is what I always thought it was going to be. And whenever this topic came up, Various sports shows would talk about it. I mentioned inside the NBA would kind of have this of every few years adding players. It was always the assumption that we're just adding new players onto the previous established list. And I think there's a couple of reasons why that's somewhat justified. I know that's not what they actually did here, but that I'm kind of glad that we just had additions and no subtractions. The first is these are iconic players who were acknowledged at, you know, in 96 as being the best players in the NBA. I just think it's a weird look to take honors away from people. Many of those players are still alive. And I just think for the NBA, it'd be just odd to just say, okay, you're part of that old list, but now we're just going to remove this. And I, I also don't think there's enough players who really have a case to be on this list. Like we'll get into the people that we thought that maybe got snubbed by this, but there's not like so many out there who are like, there's not like 10 players who I think, damn, they really should have been on this list. So I'm fine with that for that sake. And I also feel like I'm not entirely sure that modern writers who didn't actually watch these players play way back in the day when there's barely any film footage or anything else should just go back retroactively and just say, okay, we didn't see any of these guys play, so we're just going to go with whatever the modern players are. If you look at some of the lists that were released prior to the actual official list being released from sites like Sports Illustrated and so many other places, it's just skews so heavily to the modern player that it almost feels like a joke. Like there are guys there I'm not even sure are going to make the Hall of Fame that are just on this list because modern, you know, younger writers just didn't see these old guys play. So there's something to be said for respecting the legacy of who was already there and just building upon that list every single time. So for me personally, I didn't worry about it that much. I would have been fine with a completely new list
1: at the same time. I'm okay with it as it is. To your point, AC, in the weeks leading up to the NBA releasing their official lists, I've seen so many people come out with their own list, you know, members of the media. And rather than just saying these are the 75 players, they actually rank them. And a lot of these people are are putting Kobe higher than he should be. They're saying like he's top five or some nonsense like that. So to your point, AC, I'm, I'm glad that modern writers are honoring the work of their predecessors because I question their ability to objectively look at things and, you know, choose people Appropriately, because in my opinion, Kobe Bryant is like in the latter half of the 10 greatest players and does not crack top seven, even.
0: To be fair, Oswe, most of those lists that are from like official publications that they're crowdsourcing people who write about the game, Kobe Bryant's not usually in their top five. He's usually, I've seen him anywhere from like eight to like 13, uh, depending on the list.
2: I agree but, with that, Eric. But they do have some weird inclusions on the list. Period. Like yeah. somewhere between sixty and seventy-five, they oh, yeah, guys yeah. like. Oh, oh, oh yeah, you will
0: see Chris Webber fall in there sometime or something. Like yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: they saw the play. You know, like I think that's I, Eric. Your point is well taken. Like I, I think the Kobe thing is like less of a big deal because I think we all agree on this list. But there's just guys who I don't think should be on the list at all because people just don't know these old players and they don't take the time to research them or or watch film on them, or understand context of their achievements, but, or understand what they meant to the game. But, but
0: see, so, AC, AC, that's the problem, though. Again, I think it's important, and this is the point I was about to make. So I sat there when the list first came out, right? And I said to myself, AC, you made me do this, because I originally was looking at it, oh, this many guys played in this first amount of years. But you made a good point. Let's look at the guys' prime. When did their prime take place? Okay? So, from 46 to 70, 25 guys on this list were in their prime playing. So that's 32% of this list. From 1971 to 96. Now, we one thing we know at 1971, the league expanded from 14 teams to 17 teams, and over subsequent decades, it expanded to the 30 teams we have now. You had 29 players who played in that next 25 years during their prime of their career. So that's 38% of the list. In the last 25 years, you have 22 of the players on this list, which means there's 28% of this list. Unless I'm to believe that a league that had 14 teams at most and at any given time had about 120 players compared to a league that now has 450 players and also a league that had de facto rules about how many minorities you could have on your team, unless I'm to believe that league had, I guess, a literal third of the greatest players, whereas now we don't have a third on this list. Yeah, something about that list to me is skewed in the favor of the older, like the older generation of players. And I have a problem with that.
2: Well, I have, a, I have a lot of responses to this particular line of reasoning. I mean, I just want to get your numbers correct. Can you just clarify again what you said about the first, that first yeah, portion of absolutely. Uh, players? From,
0: from 1946 to 1970, for this list, there are 25 guys who most of their prime was played between those years.
2: Okay so basically what you're telling me is that like one third of the list there's 25 players from the first 25 years of the NBA and to me I'm like that's perfectly reasonable because <laughs> there's 25 players from that era and then you, I think you're really saying though is the next 25 years is overrepresented versus the last 25 years which I think is fine I mean I think that's yeah but
0: but to me it would make more sense that the next era would have more guys because the league expanded. It doesn't make sense that that like like mathematically that you have the same or a comparable third of the great players in an era where there weren't many players in the league.
2: Yeah, but this this is one thing I just don't agree with for a couple of reasons. So I think basketball compared to a lot of sports, there's a massive difference between the best players at any given point and the next group of players. Like, if the NBA right now contracted to just the best 200 players, the All-Stars would be the same. They, they, Like, the context would be different. They'd be on different teams, but they would be the best players, period. Like, and the NBA, at any given point, whoever's in the NBA, those best players are the best players, whether there's 10 teams or whether there's 20 teams, or whether there's 300 teams. This is not the case where if you give everybody their own team, everyone becomes an All-Star. If you have less players, they'll just be... The second best player on a really good team, but they'll still be the same all-stars. And there's really actually pretty credible evidence for this if you just look at the way that the league has gone now, right? So like in the last few years, you've had a concentration of some of the best players on the same teams and they still make all the all-star teams. Like the fact there's 30 teams doesn't really change the fact the same dominant players are making all-star teams over and over and over again. So I don't think that really matters. Now Where it does matter and we have to look at achievements is in NBA championships won. So if we're gonna say, oh, Bob Cousy has X amount of championships, and a guy today has much less, you'd be like, well, yeah, but Bob Cousy played when there were barely any teams in the NBA. So I think in that perspective, that's a stat that's skewed. But if you look at something like all NBA selections. You can expand the number of players, but if that number of players isn't like proportionally increased, it doesn't really matter. Like if you're, you're just changing from the number 200, number 400, but those guys aren't all-stars. They're not the best players. So at any given point, the best people are achieving all NBA, all-star status, etc., MVPs. And some of these awards, by the way, didn't even exist back then. So if we're just going to tabulate things, there weren't defensive player of the year awards until a certain point. All-NBA third team didn't exist until well into the NBA's history, so it's actually easier to be an All-NBA team now than it ever was back in the day. So again, all these things to me equal out over time. I think it's perfectly fair to have 25 players from the first 25 years. Now, if you want to take the next 25 years versus the last 25 years, I'm fine with that saying, okay, maybe they should be more even and... Maybe that generation of guys who are always on their high horse, those 90s guys, 80s guys are a little overrepresented. I think that's totally fair. I think that they're actually probably more overrepresented than the 40s and 50s guys, who I'm actually glad just aren't forgotten for a list like this. AC, it's easier
0: to be in the 90th percentile when there are 100 guys versus being like in the upper echelon when there are 1,000 guys. You just have more competition.
2: Yeah, I just just don't agree with that when it comes to basketball. Like I feel (laughs) like ultimately at any given point, they're like the best players in the world, right? So in 1980 something, there were not the Raptors and things like that don't exist, right? Like We all acknowledge that, right? So there's more players in the NBA today than there were in the 80s, okay? But the best players were still in the NBA at any given point, right? So whoever's eligible to be in the NBA at any given point, the best people out of that eligibility are making all-star teams. It just doesn't matter if there's more teams. You can expand and add two more teams to Seattle and wherever, and the best players will still make the all-star teams, still make MVPs, still do whatever. Especially in basketball, where there's such a huge gap. You know, it's the reason why there's a huge gap between the number one pick and the number 10 pick in the NBA. There's just a huge talent disparity. There's a huge drop-off between the superstars and everybody else. But see,
0: AC, that's not even
2: taken into
0: account that the best athletes then, honestly, they weren't playing basketball. They weren't. Yeah, but, because but, but, but Eric, early in but the Eric, league, that, baseball was the dominant sport.
1: Yeah, but, but football, that's, okay, that's football
0: a, wasn't that, what it is now. And I mean also you had the facto segregation. So who were these guys really playing against?
2: <laughs> but none of those factors are what's relevant to who the best players in the NBA were at any given point. This is the, not the list of the greatest basketball players of all time. Not the list of the greatest athletes of all time. This is the list of the greatest NBA players of all time. Because we can we can do this exercise all day. We can say, you know what? You know who didn't play basketball enough back then? International players. So the players today are facing the competition to make the NBA at a much higher level. But at any given point, whoever was playing basketball and eligible to play in the NBA, which we're talking about NBA history, those players were the top of their sport. And those are the players who are achieving these things. It doesn't really matter whether there's 100 players Three hundred players, five hundred players. The best players are still the best players. But AC,
0: that's the problem. There, there are guys who are on the older list, like Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins would even have been considered with his resume if he was if he came along with this group of players from the last twenty five years.
2: Yeah, but I'm honestly, even, like, and
0: what I'm saying is, they literally found guys with lesser resumes to fill out. Because they wanted to like make sure that the earlier generation with less guys that they had the numbers to match up with the guys now. There literally are guys from the first generation of guys who have lesser resumes if you count even like let's take all NBA 13. Shit, let's take defensive like player of the year or all defense teams. Let's just look at first and second team all NBA. The guys on average who made it from the the latter 25 years, they have more than four all-NBA teams, almost universally all of them, whose prime was from 1997 to 2021.
2: I mean, you could say the same thing about the people who've been from the first 25 years. The majority of them have multiple all-NBA teams. And that actually just reemphasizes my point, Eric, because... The best players, like the LeBrons of the era, the Kevin Garnetts of the era, the Kevin Durants of the era, they're going to still... It doesn't matter if there's 400 players. Then the questionable players, the guys who don't make multiple All-NBA teams, they're going to be questionable in every era. The, the Damian Lillards, the Carmelo Anthonys, that lower tier of guy, they're always going to be behind the best people at any given era. So my point is, I just don't think it matters the amount of people. I, I, I do agree with the argument to some degree that maybe... If there's a tie, it should go toward the modern player, who at least—I mean, we all agree—is probably better. I don't think probably; It's definitely better than the older player. So, if we are, if we're picking between a modern, say, scoring champ and an older scoring champ, maybe we go with the more modern guy. But I don't have a, a problem with 25 people being from the first 25 years. But I, I mean, we could agree or disagree. Or I'm curious, Austin, what do you think about this whole thing?
1: I I I see both of your points, right? To Eric's point, there's a reason why we talk about the argument of greatest player ever between Jordan or Kareem or LeBron right and and there's a guy with 11 rings that while some people would argue belongs there I feel like the general consensus today is that he doesn't and then the reason is because the competition he was playing at that time compared to the competition that any of the others in the top five faced it's just night and day now to the point that you made AC about, The number of players in the league, whether it's more or less, doesn't make a difference is true because think about it like this. Let's say Seattle and Mexico City end up getting two new teams or Seattle and Las Vegas. All that'll do is dilute the overall talent per team because now you need to get another roster of 12 guys. And yeah, you might throw one of the stars in in that roster, but it doesn't change anything about... The best, right? The best will stay best regardless. But that, to your point, AC, is why it's so difficult to remove people off of the list because how do you properly gauge, you know, it's not, it's not like, um, you know, you, you could talk about gas being a certain price in the 80s compared to now. Well, you can track the actual cost you'd paid today or what that was because you can track inflation pretty easily. But you can't really do that when it comes to basketball here, right? Because it, it's there's an element of subjectivity here. It, it's very hard to compare era to era just by trying to compare their stats as apples to apples. It's more like you know, like an apple and a broccoli. Like they're both healthy for you, but they're not exactly the same thing.
0: So, really quickly, the only point I want to make is I'm very well aware that you'll win all NBA in this league and be one of the upper echelon guys as it was in the 1950s and sixties. That's acknowledged. The point I was making is that in their haste to make sure that it, it matches up where you have quite a bit of guys from the older era, there's a quite a few guys like a handful that you don't have in the newer era who slipped onto the list and they don't have the accolades that the new guys have they're not on the all NBA teams. You have like a guy, I think if I'm not mistaken, the the Knicks who won the championship in the early 70s, they have like four guys who played on that team that are on the on the list. And two of those guys were just hardly ever on the all NBA team. They made All-Star teams, but they weren't all NBA guys. I'm talking about Dave dubacher and and Earl the Pearl Monroe. You don't have those type of resumes for the new era guys. So to me, resume means something. And I guess, again, this is why it was greatest instead of best, but I still think even when you're accounting for greatest, the resume means more than anything.
2: So why don't we get to that then? Who would not specifically have made your list of 75 greatest players? Give me, give me some names, Eric and Oswe, some guys that come to mind, just, you know, if you were doing this exercise and my understanding is all three of us have actually done this. So, you know, who didn't make your list?
0: So I would say Paula Reason, Dolph Shays, Nate Thurman, Lenny Wilkins, Earl Monroe, Reggie Miller. Those are the ones immediately come to my head.
1: Now, before Eric, we
2: discuss those specifically, Asui, what are, what are your ones that you got?
1: Uh, yo, Eric, how dare you say Dolph Shays? What the hell, man? That, that's my boy. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, dude. Or you just saying that? No, Dolph Shays is one of ours. Oh, in yeah, he was a That's Right. That's yeah, true. Right? I actually really disagree about
2: Dolph Shays. I think he really deserves to be on Dude, for a number Shays of reasons. Dude, Dolph
1: Shays is the man.
2: Um, but uh, us, we, you know, before we get into that argument, just let me know, we who do you got on
1: your list? To be honest with you, I kept the older guys in just because I respect the opinions of those journalists at the time who came up with the 50 greatest players and before that, the 25 so I didn't want to touch too many of the older players. The players, if if I had to choose, I would that I would remove from this current list that came out would probably be Carmelo Anthony and Damian Lillard. I love Dame Dollar. Don't get me wrong. Future Sixer, Dame Lillard. I'm a huge fan of him. But at the same time, when I saw his name there, I was genuinely surprised. Now, I saw on Inside the NBA, they said that this generation's Reggie Miller is Dave Willard, which I thought was very interesting. I see a lot of the parallels there and why they came up with that. But to that end.
2: It, that's really not a bad comparison us week. It's, right? it's another guy who, you know, I don't think at any point he was ever considered the best guard of his generation or even a. Exactly. Even like a top. Wait, hold like, on. Even, I'm, like, does... I'm sorry,
0: guys. Repeat, repeat that last part. Dame Willard is this generation's who?
2: Reggie Miller. Hmm. Okay.
1: I'm, I'm going to
2: let you in that. I feel like his clutch performance is almost inflated. His, his resume a little bit yeah. versus what he actually has achieved on the court. He's certainly never been considered one of the best players in the NBA. One of like the five or so
1: best players in the NBA. Think about it like this guys. Dame Lillard struggled to make a number of all-star teams, not by anything that he didn't do. But because he had guys like Stephen Clay in front of him and also Chris Paul and a bunch of other guys. Harden. Like
2: so many guys. Yeah. yeah. So.
0: He's a six time All NBA player, though. He has one course. less All NBA with the second half of his career to go than Dominique Wilkins has.
1: Listen, one. once he wins a championship with the Sixers, then all of this will be mitigated. He'll clearly show that he deserves to be there. And I, I think he's one of those names that's definitely up to debate. And the other one is Carmelo Anthony, who I do believe has more. I, I don't want to say more of a case than Dame because you can't sneeze at the resume that Dame has. Carmelo Anthony is a top 10 all-time scorer. Take with that what you want. I don't think that if I had to choose, like, gun to my head, Dwight Howard or Carmelo Anthony, it's very clearly Dwight Howard that should be there instead. And then also, Carmelo just has such a spotty up and down history that while he is a great player, he's absolutely a Hall of Famer. Is he a 75 all-time great player? I question that. Yeah, so to me, Damian Millard
2: definitely belongs on this list for the very reason that Eric said. I get sort of the comparison to Reggie Miller, but Reggie Miller was never on any NBA first team. Like... Damien was which acknowledged at that point at least that he was considered at least for one season one of the five best players although I would argue that there was never a consensus time that he was ever considered just that good and then you know he had multiple second team and third team appearances so to me he makes it in Mellow to me though is the guy who you know I rooted for Mellow as a fan of the Knicks and I was I was kind of living vicariously through him and I, I just never thought he was quite at the level of some of the other elite players even in his peak and yes, he has incredible career accumulation. He's right now ninth all time in NBA history as a scorer, which is an incredible achievement. But I, to me, there's one modern guy who made this list that I'm like, I, I didn't quite buy it. It's mellow. I just never saw him as that caliber of a player. Certainly a future Hall of Famer, maybe even a first ballot Hall of Famer, but not somebody that I particularly agree with to be on a list of the 75 greatest players to ever play basketball for the NBA.
1: I just want to say, I do think it was kind of cool that Damian Lillard was put on the list because if nothing else, it just shows how great he is, right? Because while we all recognize him as, you know, Dame Time, the the clutch dude, I feel like sometimes we forget how great he is historically, you know, because the league is oversaturated with so much talent at the guard position. You have the Stephs, you have the Kyries, you have all these guys who are uber talented at the guard position. And while Damian Lillard has always been someone in the public eye, I don't know if people have really taken a step back and just admired what it is we're watching when we see Damian Lillard play and ball out every single game. For real,
2: I, I think to add to that, Asui, I think it's cool that a guy who hasn't had that much postseason success, now he's been to a conference finals. Like I feel like it's good that a modern player that hasn't just joined up with some team and thus you know won some chips that way or gone to some finals that way is on this list too. Because I, I do think that there's some other guys who had similar career trajectories who have been punished and, and we'll talk about them in a second. Uh, I, I I do want to sort of react to some of the things that Eric said though, because he mentioned some names. I would say that personally, again, if I could do this list, I would keep the original people. I I have no problem with keeping them. I I don't really have any issue whatsoever with just keeping that list and adding 25 players every 25 years. But if I had to take people off the original list and truly rank people as how I see them as, you know, greatest all time, some of the names that I have on my list that Eric also had are Nate Thurman, who great defensive player, but if if defensive play is going to get you on there. There's a couple of guys who are glaring omissions who I think should have been there ahead of him. Earl the Pearl's a guy who I personally idolized growing up as a Knicks fan because I used to watch these MSG classic games with, with Earl the Pearl and lead a, read about how, you know, they call him Black Jesus for the way that he would just have incredible street ball-like maneuvers in the middle of an NBA game. But he just didn't achieve quite enough outside of being on that Knicks championship team. He was basically a score-first guy who had legendary play back in the day for Baltimore. But I don't know if he's quite deserving, if we're going to take people off of this list. Lenny Wilkins is a guy who, like Eric mentioned a couple of times here, I don't think quite deserved it. And then Dave Bing is one last person who maybe historically has been a bit bolstered from the era he played in. Aside from that, I don't really have any other issues with people on that original list. Eric, can you remind me if if there's anybody else besides those five guys I just mentioned that were on your list?
0: Oh, no, you actually uh, touched everyone. I think talking to you, I was on the fence about Jerry Lucas. But after our conversations, though, I still think he was a bit of an empty stats all-star. And I've heard people from his generation of players and writers who were covering the game kind of intimate the same thing. Just because he was on all NBA first and second teams. I'm willing to keep him on. Uh, but I just wanted to say one last thing about Mello, guys. What I found interesting about the Mello inclusion is that if you were to take someone like Adrian Dantley, look at Adrian Dantley's statistical profile next to Mello. He's the same scorer as far as output with much better efficiency. And no one even thought to put him around the first team on NBA, or rarely on the the second team on NBA. So it's interesting to think of that a guy like Dantley, he was kind of punished for his style of play, but a guy like Melo, we, not universally, but a lot of us think of him as being a top 75 guy. I just I just thought that was something really interesting to note.
2: Now, Eric, you did previously mention two guys who are philadelphia area legends that I, I i want to touch upon why i think they do deserve to be you're on talking this about list. paul paul reason and Dolph Shays. yeah so paul reason right this is a guy who has career averages of 22 8 rebounds and and 2.3 assists per game this guy played you know 10 seasons with the philadelphia warriors not a very long career but in that time he was a 10-time all-star and all-star every single year that he played a four-time all NBA guy, and there was no third team back then. He was a rookie of the year, a two time scoring champ, and then he won an NBA championship in 56. And was a big part of that team as well. I think the other guy who I think is even has a stronger case out of the people you mentioned was, was Dolph Shays. And, you know, just to run through his accomplishments, he played for back then the Syracuse Nationals, which became the Philadelphia 76ers. A guy who was a 12 time all star, 12 time all NBA a rebounding champ, and a big part of the 55 NBA championship. So again, if you're talking about the story of the NBA, these are two guys who are very important to that. And so I personally have no problem with either of them making this list, and I, I think they both deserve it.
0: So my logic with it, AC, considering I've already made the point, and this is for me, that that error to me is overrepresented. So right. to cut down on that list, I said, from the guys who played in the 40s and 50s,
2: I need all of you all to be, have been MVPs. That's so I, I, I get your, li- the one thing I'll give yeah. you credit for Eric is, is you're very consistent. So you're, yes. you're basically like, they were great
0: players. I'm not shitting on Paul Ariza nor Dolph Shays. I actually think these guys are important to the history of the game. And they're in the hall of fame for that, right? They're the all, these are hall of famers. Right. But for me, I looked at Mikan. So Mike and, yeah, he's a 75 guy. Then I looked at, I looked at coozy 75 guy. Then I looked at Bob Pettit, 75 guy. Russell started in the fifties, 75 guy, of course. And then there was like a little issue between Bill Sharman and Paul Ariesen. I think statistically, uh, they were both wings. Um, a reason was he played the three, Sharman played the two, he played with Koozie. But Sharman, he helped those early Celtics teams win multiple championships and He was a dead eye shooter in an era where guys weren't dead eye shooters. So. He he was way
2: ahead of his time. Way
0: ahead of his time as a shooter. So, where you're talking er, er, about
2: trailblazers. As a quick aside, Eric, I saw some people on the internet comparing like Bill Sharman's jump shot to Clay Thompson. I mean, like, how is this guy on it? And Clay Thompson's not. It's like, well, I mean, obviously, Clay Thompson is better than as a shooter than Bill Sharman. But yeah. Bill Sharman was a jump shooter in an era where there wasn't any jump shooting, so and, and he's a pioneer in a way.
0: And AC's absolutely correct. If you look at any of the guys from 46 to 56 not named Bill Sharman, they're taking set shots. They're taking set shots where they're usually using one hand and the follow-through isn't even really a follow-through. He shot such a high free throw percentage in an era where guys weren't dead-eye shooters because his, like, form was so ahead of his time. So for him... I allowed him to be my non mvp guy, right? Because he was the guy that to me was a guy who didn't win an MVP, won a bunch of championships, and also was really important to the evolution of the game.
1: So Eric, you spend all this time talking about guys you'd take off. Well, if you're going to take people off, you got to replace them. So let me ask you, who are the players that you would put on this list instead?
0: I would have put Dwight Howard. I would have put Paul Gasol. Mm. I tend to put a premium on defense in a way that clearly whoever was voting for this, they didn't. And and that's fair to me. Uh, But I I like elite defenders. I think Sidney Moncrief somehow sneaks onto my list. I, I think personally he was a very, very important player. I might sneak Dennis Johnson. I'm still kind of on the fence about Dennis Johnson. I I think I would definitely do Sidney Moncrief. I would have done a guy like Bernard King because his peak value, even if you look at it, let's not just talk about the narrative of what Bernard King meant for a couple of years. Let's talk about how his peak value looked analytically. And Bernard King, prior to like a catastrophic injury, Bernard King was, for a a few years, one of the three best players in the league. So I I definitely think there are guys that could have been replaced on that list personally.
1: I totally agree about the Dwight Howard point. And to go further, you're right. I, I feel like defense is such an underappreciated thing because think about it. In offense, there are so many clear stats that you can say, oh, this guy's impactful offensively. But really, it's in the advanced stats that you can really see the defensive impact of a given player, and the person who is the embodiment of this is Dwight Howard. Now, I feel like Dwight Howard is kind of blacklisted from this because of how tumultuous the latter half of his career has been. But for a decade, Dwight Howard was arguably the best big in basketball, and he single-handedly took a shitty magic team all the way to the finals. So somehow that guy, the guy who is a three-time defensive player of the year, one of the most dominant defenders that we've seen, somehow he's not on it. It just tells you how skewed things are toward offensive first players.
2: I think you guys both hit the nail on the head there about defensive players being underrepresented. I know... Eric, you mentioned Sidney Moncrief, one of the great defenders of his era, but also guys like Dikembe, Alonzo Mourning, especially impact bigs defensively, who are like sort of defensive first players, were completely shut out of this list for the most Preach, part. With, with Preach, AC, <laughs> Preach. With the exception of maybe Dennis Rodman, though Rodman was just such an incredible force unto himself, seven-time rebounding champs off the top of my head. I mean, he was just a beast, right? And he was a positionally switchable defender, that's a little bit different than these pure shot blocking bigs so i was glad to see Rodman make it but dwight howard is the single guy who has the most reason to be upset about this list because he wasn't just a defensive player he also scored a decent amount in his absolute peak and as us we said he was the best player on frankly a team that didn't belong in the nba finals I mean, the second best player on that team was Jameer Nelson. And yeah, they had like Turkoglu and steroid-induced Richard Lewis, but it wasn't really much of a team. I mean, Ray for... Actually, Jameer Nelson was hurt that year. Remember, they played Skip to My Lou, Ray for hey, Austin. Ray for Austin, yep. And True for some story. reason, Mike Brown had LeBron guarding him <laughs> inexplicably in that conference finals. Trauma, so, AC, trauma. Yeah, so Dwight Howard was a great player and he's been hurt by his personality. And listen, the dude was a cancer in multiple locker rooms after his peak years. But hey, that doesn't mean he wasn't one of the most important players. And he deserves to be part of the story of of the 75 greatest players of all time. You mentioned some other guys, Eric, that I think are very deserving. Pau Gasol has somehow been forgotten. And when we describe the NBA and the great players of the modern era, Gasol somehow Like, like people just forget that this guy was actually probably the best player in 2010 and should have won a finals MVP that year for the Lakers, which they gave to Kobe. Cough, cough,
0: cough, cough, six for 24.
2: Yeah, I mean, Kobe had six for 24 in that game. Granted, Kobe was a huge part of that team and had a huge amount of rebounds and everything. But Gasol was the second best player on a team that won three straight NBA finals and was a huge part of winning two of them and arguably should have been the finals MVP of one of those teams. I think he's a guy who also was maybe the most skilled offensive big man at that time. Certainly was more skilled on that end than than Dwight was. So I, I think he's another guy that's been forgotten. And if we're talking about modern big men who are highly skilled, I think there's at least a decent case for Nikola Jokic. I know that he's a relatively new player, but he's been around the NBA since the middle of the last decade. And he won an MVP, and he's already sort of set himself up as a very unique player. So I think there was a case for Jokic to to have made this team, even based on his current accomplishments. Look, AC, Jokic will be the only non-injured. And I'm talking
0: about Derrick Rose when I say this. Everybody else who was an MVP, they're on this list, not named Derrick Rose. And that's just because Derrick Rose had a catastrophic injury that changed the trajectory of the second half of his career.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Now, Eric, you mentioned a couple of other players I do want to get into before we close out here. Dennis Johnson is somehow another really forgotten player. You you earlier discussed the great defensive guards of all time, and you mentioned Gary Payton and some others. We can't forget that Dennis Johnson was, until really the emergence of Scotty and, and Michael and, and those guys sort of in the latter half of the 80s, Dennis Johnson was considered the best defensive guard in the NBA. He was also the best player and the finals MVP of a championship Sonics team that somehow also forgotten in the seventies. I think he has a case to be on a list like this. What do you think, Eric?
0: When I did my list, I had Dennis Johnson. I was ranking it. He was like 74. So he's on my list. He's at the point that is still like right on the edge along with Sidney Martin.
2: Right on that bubble.
0: Yeah, right on the bubble. But I think, look, if you were were the best defensive player on a dynasty and you just happen to have been the best player on a team that won a championship separate from that dynasty, even if your statistical profile isn't quite what I would want for my top 75 guys, there's still something to be said as far as you being one of the best generational players of your era.
2: And the other thing you mentioned, Eric, which I want to discuss is Carmelo Anthony makes it as the score first guy who basically didn't do much of anything else. But then three other notable players are sort of left off this list as a result. Bernard King, who you touched upon, Alex English, and Adrian Dantley. So I I, I do want to briefly discuss those three players. Bernard King in his peak was at a higher level than any of these other sort of score first players that we're talking about here. Carmelo Anthony never would drop 40-plus points against a dynasty like the way that Bernard King could do against the Celtics, right? Bernard King was that special of the player. we I know you and I have watched some film on, on, on Bernard oh, yeah. King recently. Mm. The dude had maybe the fastest release ever. It's beautiful, and the, too. And in the mid-post, he would just sort of launch these shots before the defender knew what was happening. And he actually patented, that was actually his move, to shoot quicker than anyone would anticipate.
1: Yeah, guys, I just recently learned about Bernard King and that was through ESPN Plus's Basketball A Love Story series, which if you haven't checked it out in AC, you can back me up on this. It is the greatest basketball documentary series I've seen in my life because it really puts everything into perspective. And yeah, I thought Bernard King was just so tricky. I mean, imagine you're playing defense against a guy who, prior to him, no one ever tried to just kind of flip up the ball, you know, super quick. You know, he'd have really odd timings with when he'd go up and try to score, and it really threw off defenders, and especially if you consider that kind of creativity, it was rare in those times.
0: Obviously, he was on my list, so everything you all are saying, like, I fuck with Bernard King, I. Unfortunately, his career was cut short, and he didn't reach the heights that he definitely could have, and I suspect would have, but I still think peak value has to mean something.
2: Yeah, I mean, injuries and his own personal issues, first with alcoholism, which he overcame ultimately, and then later, of course, he just couldn't play because of a a very severe knee injury that the medicine just wasn't there at that time. It, It cut his prime really short, but Damn what a prime it was. He is a Knicks legend and a guy who I would have liked to have seen make a list like this. Another score though that I wanted to touch on. Guys, if someone ask you who the number one scorer in the 1980s was, like if you take all the points that were scored in the 1980s and you had to pick who scored them. You might say, "Oh, it might be Larry Bird, might be MJ." You think the be- answer actually is
1: Alex English. Yeah, wow. You'd think it would be like Kareem or something, given that he had the only unguardable shot in NBA history and all time NBA scoring leader. So I would have guessed it would have been Kareem. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was the 70s,
2: it'd be Kareem, but it's, you're talking about more of back half of Kareem's career. But yeah, Alex English quietly for those Nuggets teams was a scoring machine. And again, I don't know if he needs to be on a list like this, but then again, the him versus Carmelo question. It's one that I'm not exactly sure how to decide. Maybe neither of them should make it, but it's weird to me that Carmelo makes it where Alex English doesn't. Which brings me then to my last guy, a guy from Eric's area of DC, and that is Adrian Dantley, a dude who was extremely undersized for his position, but he was like a six-three post-up maniac, someone that us we you would have really loved. I know you're an Adrian Dantley fan anyway, but like you would have loved to watch this guy play because he is an undersized dude with all kinds of post moves and he was another guy who led this league in scoring but history is forgotten in part because of how he wasn't part of the detroit Pistons championship teams because of the fallout of what happened between him and isaiah thomas
0: he averaged 24 points per game for his career adrian dantley
2: that's no joke
0: at routine seasons where he was shooting from the floor over 55 percent, he was extraordinarily
2: efficient scorer you could argue that outside of Kevin McHale, he might've had the best post footwork of that era, but he was like 6'3". You know, it didn't make any sense at all. And he wasn't like guys weren't that tall back then. There were plenty of dudes who were way bigger than him and he just had a knack for scoring. He was also one of the all time greats at getting to the free throw line. And he would have games where he would score more free throws than field goal attempts through just clever manipulation of getting guys off balance. And then you just, he was way out of his time in that way.
1: You know, you're talking about a guy who's short and plays in the post. This guy sounds like my idol. Uh, that's what I was saying. Also, you would have loved watching him. You really would have loved watching him. For our fans who may not know, growing up we all played basketball together, and I cannot shoot for my life. I'm one of the worst jump shooters you'll ever see in your life. But I have a big butt, and I don't mind playing physical. So I, <laughs> I'm basically a five-seven center. Hey, ladies, ladies, like a ladies, 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 ladies who've listened, Oswee say he's thick. Oh yeah. I. In high school, my friends used to say I have a Nicki Minaj ass. So, you know, I'm proud of <laughs> there that. There you go. Hey, uh, dumps with I'm the t- trucks, t- Oswee. Oswee. <laughs> so on
2: the note of Oswee's ass, which has terrorized me for my entire life in the post and, and in, in every life. other possible way, um, <laughs> I have no transition for that.
0: <laughs> so, I was really end. sitting here like, how the hell are you going to end that shit?
2: <laughs> yeah, I have nothing. So I guess we should just end it here with one last question. If there's any player currently in the NBA right now that you think is a shoe in or, or maybe someone who didn't make this previous list, who you think is going to make the top 100 list, guaranteed, who is it for you guys?
1: Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic.
0: Nikolai
2: and Luka. Yeah, I think those are the guys, right? I mean, I think Luka, I actually had him on my list of even just 25 to add in part because I thought you could make a Shaq 96 argument for him. I mean, he's really too young to be on this list, but you could just see that everything's there, right? I mean, it feels like inevitable that he'll be on a list like this one day.
1: Actually, AC, to your point, I was genuinely surprised Well, not too surprised, but a little bit surprised that Luca wasn't on here because I thought they would have a Shaq candidate. For those of you who may not know, in the 50th anniversary, 96, 50 greatest players of all time, Shaq was there, but Shaq was pretty young. And he'll tell you even to this day that at the time, he didn't deserve it because while he projected and obviously ultimately was a truly great dominant player, a top 10 all-time player... At that time, maybe it was a little premature because a lot of things have to go right for someone to have a legendary career and be considered in a list like this. But the real thing is, when you look at a guy like Luka, do you have any question about this guy being that level of great? And to that point, Nikola Jokic. I mean, I just don't have any question about them being that level of great because they've already shown it.
2: When the ninety six list was released, Shaq's inclusion was highly controversial. A lot of older writers were really upset about it, and there was a gamble. And you know what? Eric mentioned before Derek Rose, and Derek Rose is a test case as to why you should never assume anything, right? because Derek Rose won an mVP. It seemed like he would be an obvious guy to be on a list like this, and yet the rest of his career didn't play out like that. so that's one of the reasons you don't put the cart before the horse and you wait till guys actually earn it on the court over an extended stretch of time. But that being said, these guys are gonna make it. Luka and Nikola Jokic. I feel AC just gave those guys a death
0: sentence. Hopefully their ACLs and MCLs stay intact. So we don't
2: Yeah. I mean, my my what? One good thing is those guys are like neither of them really rely upon athleticism. That's, that that's much. true. <laughs> like they could like Jokic especially, man. If this dude had no ACLs, he'd be the same exact player. <laughs> AC
0: said, AC said, Jokic don't even need knees.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jokic can barely jump over a newspaper. So I mean, I don't really think it matters for him. That's good. That's
0: a good point. All his stuff is like vision skill like ridiculous like passing
2: size, size. his to own be ass huge. T- to tie it into us ass Jokic knows that he uses ass really well he does. So that is he that does. is true
1: i appreciate <laughs> a fellow ass user you know
2: <laughs> yeah, there's so many horrible jokes i can make as a follow-up but Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode where we discuss the 75 greatest NBA players of all time. I'm 76 sure you have lots of the 76 greatest players of all time. You're absolutely right, because it's actually 76 players. I'm sure you guys have lots of disagreements. So please write to us at brownmanwontjump at gmail.com. Let us know who we missed, who you guys would have added instead, what we got totally wrong, if you agree with Eric, you agree with me, who's right about the old players being included. And until next time, guys, thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you soon.
1: Peace out, guys. Deuces. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 10, 9, 8, 76 76ers. greatest players Hey, I got you there. <laughs> Take care, guys.